The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International. This podcast is sponsored by Blue House Mallets, found at malletbuilder.com. Don't underestimate your kids. They, they know stuff. They know all sorts of things. They watch music videos. They listen to music. They are, they're not ignorant at all. They're, they're very aware. And finding their voice and finding what they're comfortable with can go a long way in creating something unique and special um, that both the students can enjoy performing and the audience can enjoy watching. And hopefully the judges can enjoy putting numbers down for If you're trying to get your students to perform, to buy into the show concept, if you're trying to figure out how to find the right show for your students, if you're trying to get your students to be uninhibited, to entertain your audience while also satisfying the competitive needs of the program for judges, you need to hear this conversation. This fall, Lawrence Township performed Living on Royal Street, and it was one of the shows everyone has been talking about. On this podcast, we talk with three of the directors about the idea of the show. The theme that I wanted to have in the background was this idea that you don't need to have a whole lot of money to do this activity. You don't need to purchase a lot of props and have things all over the field. Um, and though we did have props, every one of those things we've already owned because we just don't have that much of a income source. And so it was it, it was kind of a background theme that we could put all the way through the show they talk about how they taught their students to be such great performers. We have a, uh, a basics body warm-up that our choreographer wrote for the kids. And it didn't so much turn out to be a basics block as it turned out to be a dance party. And the, the kids bought into that. You know, before we had any show music, you know, just seeing, watching the kids eat up our dance block to funk music or to hip hop or whatever they were playing, you know, just seeing seeing how much the kids enjoyed doing that physical movement, practice like you're going to perform. Like, you know, if this is Lucas Oil and we have one more show left, how are you going to perform? Doesn't matter if it's 12 degrees and snowing in Indiana, you know, how are you going to perform? And they share ideas to help you figure out how to motivate your own students. Matt does this great thing where he goes down onto the field with a, a clipboard and a piece of paper, and he calls it Box 5. And anytime he sees a kid just overachieving, he writes their name down on his list, his Box 5 list, and then posts it in the band room at the end of rehearsal. And every time I come into the band room, kids are immediately rushing to check that list. Did I make Box 5? Did I make Box 5? You know, there's no prize for it. But just to know that all of their hard work is coming through and it's being seen by one of the directors as a Box 5 performance, even in rehearsal, that does mean a lot to the kids. Lawrence Township, living on Royal Street, on the Marching Roundtable. This podcast is sponsored by Blue House Mallets, found at malletbuilder.com. Blue House makes keyboard percussion mallets for students, educators, and performers in three collections. The primary performer series is designed for years of reliable use in the ORF classroom. The Concert Master Collection is perfect for the developing percussionist. And their Contemporary Artist Collection is a set of premier mallets for a complete range of marimba and vibraphone performance. With models for the classroom to the concert hall, 
the recording studio to the marching field, Blue House builds exceptional tools for musicians to engage their creativity and express their passion. Build your sound in the finest custom mallet build shop on the web at malletbuilder.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Marching Roundtable Podcast. This is Tim and thank you so much for listening. We are talking to three gentlemen responsible for the amazing, exciting shows we love this uh, this uh, fall from Lawrence Township. So first, Neil Titus. How are you, Neil? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Also on the line, Matt James. Matt, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for being here. And also on the line, Connor Vaughn. Connor, how are you? Great, man. Happy to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. So Neil and Connor, you guys teach at... Um, Lawrence North High School, is that right? Yep, that's correct. So, Neil, you're the director, Connor, the assistant? Yep. Wonderful. And then, Matt, of course, you're at Lawrence Central High School, and you've been on the podcast before. It's nice to hear your voice again. Yeah, thank you. And I have an assistant here as well. Her name is Emily Trapani. Awesome. So, you guys, I think people understand this already, but you, you combine your forces for the fall. You want to explain how that works for, for your situation? Yeah, we... Um, it, about four or five, five years ago, we were um, thinking that it might be better for us to put the two high schools together um, because we were using um, kind of kind of dividing the community from a standpoint of resources and, um, you know, hometown fans. Uh, and we were trying to uh, put a trip together where we would um, travel together, like to the Rose Parade, for example, which we ended up doing. And we found that if we could combine forces that would conserve community resources, help us focus as a community, and it made it whole, a whole lot easier for our school district to support both groups at the same time since we combined. And I think that made it very um, possible for us to get to Pasadena when we went to the Rose Parade 2017. Yeah, very cool. Congratulations. So, Neil, was it hard Thank to you. get to combine or was it a simple process? So I, uh, I'm actually, I'm new here. Um, I'm in my second year um, here, even in Lawrence Township. Uh, last year, I was hired as the director of percussion. And with, with some staff changes, um, I was invited to take over the head band director job. So I was actually not um, around when they, when they combined. Matt would be a little bit better of a, a judge of that. Got actually. it. Okay, very cool. Well, first off, I have to say congratulations on the on the fantastic season you guys had. Um, it's to me, it's exciting to be. You know, you guys were obviously really successful, but more cool to me as a designer and a marching band enthusiast. I always want to be the guy that one of those shows that everybody's talking about. <laughs> and no doubt, you guys had one of those shows everybody was talking about. Are we, I guess were you aware that everybody was you were making a big splash? Um, you know, I, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, my bad. Go well, ahead. I, I, I. I think that that was kind of our intent. Um, we <laughs> ventured into it last year. Um, we kind of, uh, we, we were brainstorming of ideas of how, how we could take our band and do something different with it because we're, we're, we're definitely not the round peg to fit in the round hole from a standpoint of our community and our resources. So we thought that we needed to come up with a different way of looking at things so that our kids could really enjoy what they were doing and still be competitive. And so last year we um, put a show together called Rumpelstiltskin and about three quarters of the way through um, Rumpelstiltskin was lamenting about his problems and ended up uh, singing Spinning Wheel, uh, the Blood, Sweat and Tears version. Hmm. And that cool. really surprised 
the audience. And we thought that was a, a really cool thing to do. And so this year we said, well, can we take it a step further and, and um, come up with a with an idea that uh, would be just as shocking, just as surprising, but um, delve into it even more and see if we could be um, a little bit deeper and a little bit more involved so that potentially we could get some more uh, points from a standpoint of content, but still not lose the uh, audience getting into it and talking about us and being excited about what we we're doing. So, so Neil, did you feel like uh, this sort of track that you guys have been on now is your kids have responded to that really positively? One hundred percent. We always do a uh, kind of a show reveal. What is it, Matt? The end of May, kind of getting yeah. getting ready mid-May. for uh, yeah, mid mid May, kind of getting ready and getting all the kids excited. And I just remember sitting in the LC auditorium when we kind of even just played like our cut track, you know, not not even not even like an arranged version. We just played our really raw cut track and the kids went nuts. And we all kind of just looked at each other as a staff, like, well, we really owe it to everybody to just blow this out of proportion. And I think since day one, you know, I still have kids in the band room playing the show, you know, and it's it's like, you guys, the show's over, but I'm, I love that everybody's so, I'm, I love that everybody's so, invested into it and and i think that's what made the show is that the kids every single one of them were so just emotionally invested into performing their butts off so so that's amazing and i want to talk about that some more but the thing that's i think that everybody's listening wants to know is okay we all want to have a show that the kids love that has some maybe some current tunes that has a, a cool vibe but also to do that and be super competitive like that's the trick that I think everybody wants to find out. How did you pull this off? So Matt, in passing, you sort of mentioned having content in the show, whatever. But like, can we talk about that process of how you figured out how to do a show that was so accessible, so fun, all these sort of pop tunes, this culture, new cultural vibe, and still gave, gave it legitimacy that judges can throw a score? Like, how, how did you guys? That's a giant question. But like, like, how well, did you start that process? Well, it it goes back to who our kids are. And um, we, I've been at Lawrence Central for a long time, and we've uh, done pretty much any type of show that you can imagine. We've had uh, some relative competitive success and have done very serious shows. And pretty, I mean, we've done, we've kind of played marching band the way marching band should be played for a long time. And our kids aren't the same kind of kids as they were way back then. They're a different kind of kid, and they love to perform. They, they love to just lay it all out there. And once we kind of realize that if we can give them the right vehicle, they can perform it the way they need to perform it so that it comes across. Because um, you can't do a show like we did and not have the kids 100% committed to it. And that's a risk that I don't know that everybody quite understands because it can go south real quick oh, yeah. <laughs> if the performers aren't, aren't selling it and being believable and um that was i think the thing that we were looking for is how can we find a way that we can take our kids our resources and use them to our best benefit and this is the route that we have found ourselves on okay so let me ask you a question about that because this is the trick i think for i'll tell every director this of any type you figure out who your kids are like, what's their vibe? What do they like? What are they going to be able to perform? So what was it about your kids that made you think this was right for them? 
Well, I think that we look a lot different than most of the marching bands that uh, are competitively successful. We are very, 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 very diverse, and um, our kids are very accepting of all the different kinds of kids that we have, and they all um, respect the culture that every kid brings to it so that it, it, it um, coalesces, so to speak, that everybody's excited about everybody else's music. So if you can find music that the kids relate to, and in our case, we did a pretty decent job of finding all different aspects of the music that all the different types of kids we have relate to, then it synergizes and um, the kids can then relate to all the different kinds of music and they get very prideful of it and they get very they get a very strong ownership in it and it makes it a whole lot more fun for them and it allows them to find a way to perform and then we have to set it up in such a way that we can help them perform and not get too much in the way of them being able to go out there and be themselves. So Neil, is there something you guys do that, that creates that sense of community and acceptance within your, your students? <clears throat> um. I want to say, yeah, here's the formula, but, (laughs) (laughs) I don't, you know, I don't, I think, I think it's our team. I think it starts with leadership, not only in Matt and Emily, but myself and Connor. And then, you know, we have a great support staff, all of our technicians. And I think it's not only the kids that buy into what the idea is, but it's the staff as well. And, and when you have, you know, staff members, and students, everybody treating each other with respect, then there's a certain sense of accountability that nobody wants to let anybody down. And I think there's just a sense, it's it's uh, a one for all and all for one. You know, as cheesy as that sounds, I, I, I really see that, you know, we see the MPLT um, marching band really as a family. And when one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. And when one of us has success, whether it be a staff member or a student, or a dancer or, you know, or a technician, then we all feel that we all feel that pride. And, uh, you know, we dismiss every single day and the kids shout one prod at the very end when they dismiss. And, you know, when I first started here, I, you know, it's just another tradition thing, but you know, now it's even just being here, you know, over a year, it's, it, it is like, it's the real deal. When the kids say one pride at the end of rehearsal, you know, they really feel it, you know, and they're not just going through the motions to get out of rehearsal. They're, they really feel the one pride. And uh, I, I just I wish I had <laughs> the right straight ahead answer. I just think, you know, it, it's the family. You know, Matt, Connor, I don't know if you guys can elaborate a little bit since you've been around a little longer. But um, yeah, Connor, you want to yeah. weigh in on that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Neil put it really well. You know, it kind of feeds down from the top. But, you know, this is my first year here full time. But. You know, that sense of community, for me, actually, I, I think the kids kind of push it, you know, now sometimes more than we do. Um, you know, the kids, you know, even outside of marching band season, you see LC kids going to LN concert and LN kids going to LC concerts. You see them doing pet band together and they're hanging out together and, and feeding off each other's energy and their strengths. And I think that helps us as a staff realize that we each have our own strengths and things that we're good at. And we really allow each other to do our job and feed off of that energy together and just kind of reciprocates with the kids, you know, throughout the season. Okay. So the show is living. That's awesome. The show is living on Royal street. Someday my Prince will come princes of the universe Royals. God bless the child. 
Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the big surprise for everybody, and then Roar. So, Matt, like this is a band director's dream that they could put this music together and make it into a real show and score. So, like, what was the trick to making it... I don't mean to minimize it, like you know, but you, there was a lot of wizardry here, in my opinion. Like you'd made all the, a lot of really smart choices. The way the show was constructed, can you share any of that process or what the choices were that allowed this to yeah. work and be competitive? Well, again, um, Neil mentioned the team aspect of it. Um, I saw Prince do the they did a Super Bowl halftime show that featured Prince with you know I don't know if you remember seeing that or not. Oh yeah. But, um, so the next morning I was just getting up and contemplating things and I thought oh, this would be kind of an interesting thing. We could do a Prince show. What, what are some Prince songs? And then I started thinking about someday my Prince will come. And then the thing that kicked me was when Fresh Prince of Bel-Air popped into my head because, you know, it's however many years old it is, but our kids all know that by heart. And that's something that I've known forever that as soon as that particular tune comes on, everybody raps it, sings it, they all know it. I said, well, this could be, this could be pretty spectacular. So the next meeting that we had, I presented just the rough sketches of the idea and we wanted to do some Prince tunes, but, um, that's all copyright written or copyright, uh, forbidden right. that you can't do any Prince tunes. So right. that was a little bit of a deterrent, but we said, no, we can make this work. And so what we do is we start brainstorming as a staff and start throwing um, ideas out and I think Connor came up with Princes of the Universe and Michael Rayford, one of our consultants came up with the Roar combined with Royals idea and um, we, we started piecing it together and then we started thinking of the through line and kind of the theme that I wanted to have in the background was this idea that you don't need to have a whole lot of money to do this activity you don't need to purchase a lot of props and have things all over the field. Um, and though we did have props, every one of those things we've already owned because we just don't have that much of a income source. And so it was, it, it was kind of a background theme that we could put all the way through the show that, you know, this, this could be something that if we just base it on the fact that we have kids that really believe in the show and are, have their own special talents, and if we can just show what those are, then this thing kind of all works together that we're, we're kind of having a theme about that and putting a show together that uh, allows the kids to be royal, even though they may not have all the funds and resources that some of the other competitors do. So that's how it worked. And it was just a lot of brainstorming and a lot of putting things together. And then we just started splicing things up and trying to get a sense of flow. And that's what it ended up being. Neil, do you or Connor want to speak to that process? Yeah. Yeah, so I have a little bit of a unique perspective um, because I do all the sound design. And so for me, this is a dream show <laughs> because it's it means I get to put as much stuff in as seemingly possible until someone tells me to take it out. So uh, I think from the start of this, I was just excited to add all the hip-hop sounds and all of the scratches and and anything possible that would help make our show and i think god i think at the end of the show i was just exporting it actually last last week out of my computer and i think we ended up with something like 1900 different samples in the whole show which was you know it didn't happen all at once um whoa but, whoa, whoa 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 1900 yeah how 19... is that possible uh 
I don't really know, Tim. Uh, it kind of. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that. There's only like eight minutes or something. Yeah. Well, we had we. You know, when we do um, vocal samples, we uh, just to keep our kids in line with you know WGI um, rules. We triggered a lot of vocal stuff by syllable. Okay. Um, okay. All of, all of our drum beat stuff. You know, I I made and we triggered by smallest subdivision possible. Okay. So our you know our students were playing anything and everything um, chromatically, and uh, it just you know stacking samples on top of each other, so it's not just uh, you know one specific thing. You know, we we worked a lot too with what electronic textures were going to help you know balance with the ensemble, um, which was tough because I I remember several times just bringing my computer to rehearsal and just being stuck in the office all day and then coming out to, you know, full ensemble and realizing that everything I had just spent all day writing doesn't work and just going back and trying it again and again and again. And then, you know, a lot of stuff that wasn't vocally, you know, sung, we triggered and um, it was, but, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, with all of the, you know, VST instruments, it was something like 1902 or whatever. Wow. I'll have to I'll have to take a screenshot of the folder and send it to you. Oh, please do. That's amazing. And yeah. and, and so th there's one level of sort of authenticity that the show gets is all of those sounds um, give it that, that, you know, feel that the music sounds legit. And that's what's so hard. I think uh, one of the things that's so hard about doing these kinds of like a hip hop tune or whatever is it just doesn't sound right when a band plays it. So how did you right. figure out how to blend the right amount of that with what the band's doing? Um, a lot of the staff members telling me that I need to turn it down. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's just in, in any, in any vehicle, there's just, it's imperative that there is constant analysis of how we sound and some rehearsals, we would sound too electronic heavy and some rehearsals, we wouldn't sound electronic heavy enough. And, and I mean, even like prelims, we were still dealing with balance issues. And I think that is just kind of the nature of the beast that you're always going to be, especially for Lucas Oil. Yeah, you know, us right. doing rehearsal at LC is 100% different than doing at, you know, Lucas Oil. And and I just, you know, even, even staff members and directors always just having that in their head, you know, well, are we too loud here? Are we covering up what needs to be heard? What's the focus? I mean, that's a question we asked ourselves as a staff, even as a visual staff, what is the focus? You know, and a lot of times we would find that the elect it's not the electronic show, you know, it's a band. And so for me, um, not getting in everybody's way and letting the kids be featured that needed to be featured, that, I mean, that is something that I think is just a part of, of us creating a show like this. Hmm. Uh, and even, you know, today, I, I still have shoulda, coulda, wouldas about what I could have done differently to help make our show take that next step, you know? Really interesting. So I want to go back to Matt for a second, because you talked about content, like you have this effect, you have these authentic sounds. I see how this is all going to work, but you still have to put content into the music book to get the credit. So like, what was the discussion there? Well, we had a, uh, a brass and woodwind feature early on in the show, just to show that our kids can play with technique. But the the tricky part with us that sometimes gets credited and sometimes doesn't is what Neil was talking about and what you were talking about, Tim, 
that in order for these tunes to work, they have to sound authentic. Right. And that is extremely, extremely difficult. And the judges that recognized that gave us lots of content. <laughs> Hmm. And the judges that didn't, didn't. And so it was a little bit rough, uh, competitively, kind of a little bit of a roller coaster as we went through the season. Um, but it didn't deter. I mean, the kids were just so into the show that it, the, the competitive aspects of things, when they were successful, of course, they were very happy. But when um, they had struggles competitively, they still just loved the show so much. And they performed it so well that... Um, that didn't seem to bother them, which was another great thing about finding a show that, that um, fits the kids. But that's the content aspect was, you know, you, you can always do notes. I mean, everybody has to do their little 16th note thing or whatever it is. Their, their E flat major scale all slurred as fast as you can play it. Um, everybody has to do something like that. So we, we added a, a bit of a technical display, but I think most of the things that we try to do are trying to get things stylistically correct so that um, we can get the audience to feel what it is we want them to feel. And that's when you're doing the th different pieces we did, every one of those pieces we did pre was required us to make sure the kids understood the authenticity of the style they needed to play and to make sure they were able to convey that as at the same time they were moving all over the field. So those were the two ideas of content that we had. And then right. I had to make sure that they were maybe moving around a little bit more. And I think next year we have to do even more with that, uh, covering the field a little bit more. Um, but uh, we did a little bit more than we did the year before. And we're just trying to find that place where we can get the kids to be able to perform and not tax them too much, but then tax them enough so that there can be uh, judges credit given as needed for those types of things. Yeah, so interesting you're discussing that because uh, we, we all know that that's part of the thing is will they appreciate the work that went into making this sound the way it does, you know, and not, every, as mm -hmm. you said, not everybody always can. Um, right. So so then the other thing, I have a lot of discussions with people about kids that do vocals that are singing, whatever. Um, sometimes, you know, people want to put that in their show, but they don't have the kid to pull it off. So like you had these ideas, did, did you know already that you had students that could pull off those moments and grab yes. a mic and make it happen? Yes. So I can tell you that princes of the universe was a, was a little bit harder for our, I mean, I, the, the main vocalist we had is spectacular. Um, but the range was just a little bit higher than, um, maybe it should have been. We probably should have dropped it down a little bit more. Um, because when you're trying to do clean and you don't have a Freddie Mercury, it, it's mm. very, very difficult mm. for a high school kid to do that. But he got better and better and he worked so hard and he was always very uh, calm in how he approached things. Um, but yeah, we, we had him specific. He's only a junior, so we still have him for mm. next year. So, so was the kid that did the Fresh Prince Rob. And um, we have a very strong performing arts department in both of our schools. And so there's a lot of kids that do choir and we have very strong show choirs, so they know how to dance, they know how to perform, they know how to do all that stuff. So um, we kind of pay attention to that and make sure that if there's something that uh, we have a kid that can do, we are very aware of that. And so, yeah, we knew we had a fresh prince and we knew we had a, <laughs> a really strong singer. So Okay. Well, I mean, that's great. It's just, you know, I'm always cautioning people, don't, don't go with the idea unless you have 
right. the, the the student, and it's it's cool that you, mm-hmm. you did. So you talked a lot about performance, and and that's very cool. A lot of people are talking a lot about performance these days. So did you do mm-hmm. specific things with the students other than knowing that they had it in them? Um, can can you guys talk about how you got them to perform at that level and be willing to put that out there? Uh, yeah. So we have a uh, a basics body warm up that our choreographer wrote for the kids and it didn't so much turn out to be a basics block as it turned out to be a dance party and uh (laughs) it the the kids bought into that you know before we had any show music you know just seeing watching the kids eat up our dance block to funk music or to hip-hop or whatever they were playing you know just seeing seeing how much the kids enjoyed doing that physical movement you know as the summer kind of started to progress and they got a little bit better at the choreography we really kind of started to instill this idea of you know we always say every time you're on the field perform but especially you know when we're when we're putting you know large ideas together it's really important for the staff to understand you know how you guys are performing this and so i mean i i remember weekly one of us you know one of the four of us saying you know like practice like you're going to perform like how you know if this is lucas oil and we have one more show left like what how are you gonna how are you gonna perform doesn't matter if it's 12 degrees and snowing in indiana you know how are you gonna perform and uh the staff was really good about motivating and not barking and then ultimately it kind of got out of the staff's hands and the leadership on the field for the older kids we're like, all right, let's perform our butts off on this rep or hey we, we could give it a little bit more on this next rep and you know towards the end of the season you know, we weren't really making performance comments. The kids just knew that was that was mandatory in order for them to be successful. Can you give examples so, of how you teach someone to perform without barking? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that. I, I think one of the things that we did pretty well is is sometimes, you know, I won't want to add a visual or add something, and we're kind of scratching our heads trying to figure it out and say, you know, hey, so-and-so, why don't you give this a shot? Tell us what you, what you feel like doing there. Um, you know, and one of the kids will do something just crazy and it's so cool. And the next thing you know, you know, a lot of our stuff we're doing visually is stuff that the kids just come up with on their own. And I think because we give them that freedom, you know, throughout the show to kind of create their own little thing that they get to do, you know, they really buy in and and they get to certain parts of the show. They're like, Oh, this, this is my time. I got to come up with this move. So I'm going to really sell this one. You know, giving them that that creative freedom a little bit, you know, sometimes with some restraint, obviously, but um, giving them the chance to create their own thing visually, I think our kids really fed off of that. And so when we asked them to make sure they were performing, you know, we would give them a chance to try something on their own and and try and see what could happen and pick out someone who was doing really well and and sometimes let the students teach the other students. Um, So we tried to keep that, you know, more of a a student-based thing um, and just kind of give them some parameters and let them be, um, you know, creative in their own way. Matt had uh, Matt does this great thing that I, he's done long before we were here. Um, usually at the end of each rehearsal, we try to get a full run or uh, a run of whatever we've worked on that day. And Matt does this great thing where he goes down onto the field with a, a clipboard and a piece of paper, and he calls it Box 5. And anytime he sees a kid just overachieving, he writes their name down on his list, his Box 5 list, and then posts it 
in the band room at the end of rehearsal. And every time I come into the band room, kids are immediately rushing to check that list. Did I make box five? Did I make box five? You know, there's no prize for it. But just to know that all of their hard work is coming through and it's being seen by one of the directors as a box five performance, even in rehearsal, that does mean a lot to the kids. And, you know, to us, it's just it's uh you know, it, it, I don't, I don't, I never viewed it as such a, such an important tool as it is. And the more, the more being around, the more I am around, the more I just understand how important the kids take that box five um, challenge at the end of rehearsal seriously. And it's fantastic to watch. Like, Matt, that is absolute genius. Like, I'm, we are always talking to people about rewarding the people that are excelling and not just yelling at the ones that are struggling. So that, mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. genius. Where, where did you where did you come up with this? Um, I, I think it, it was a long process over many years where, you know, you, you just realize that you get, you get a whole lot more results when you're praising kids than you do when you're not. And so I, I kind of, well, I mean, I, I feel weird talking about it because I, if anybody's going to jump on the kids, I'm usually the one that barks. <laughs> but on the other hand of that, but you're doing both, see though. That. See, that's the trick. I have to do both because if they they know that I'm gonna I'm gonna get irritated if they're not doing things right, they have to know that I'm gonna be extremely pleased with them and reward them when they are doing things right. And so the box five club i started a while back probably 15 years ago where i just go down on the field and so they would get used to having judges on the field because a lot of times they don't they get a little weirded out when the judges show up on the field so that they're used to having somebody down there evaluating them but um i can you know write their names down and if kids are that are struggling are improving sometimes i'll write their name down just to give them a little taste of what that's like and then not write their name down the next time because they're they're not quite there yet but then they start knowing that, wow, if I can do this all the time, I'll, I'll get on that list all the time. And so, um, anyway, it, it just turned out to be a real positive reward system that worked really, really well with the kids. And, um, wow. They, they pretty much thrive on it. And if I'm not doing it, they go, are you going to come down? Are you going to come down? Did you, get, <laughs> did you see me today? Did you see me today? And sometimes towards the end of the season, it's just so many kids performing well that I can't get around to them. So I have to do, half the field one day, half the other half the field the other day, and just write as fast as I can. Yeah, but you guys are describing so. things that are so, so powerful, like like rewarding kids that are excelling and, and getting excited and letting them get excited about that, and then also giving them this autonomy in their show and, giving, and keeping them uninhibited. Like the fact mm-hmm. that you're doing these warm-ups where they feel free to – do yeah. stuff and they're yeah. and they're not being judged like that's such a hard environment band directors struggle creating that well it's just you kind of you, you know and i'm old school these I'm, I'm with all these young guys now and i'm kind of old school but it, and it's a, it was a little bit hard for me to learn but um you know they, it, it, go to a go to a high school dance and watch the kids dance and watch how good they are and watch how how they can express themselves watch what they know um they know lots of stuff and instead of teaching them stuff they don't know, maybe work on things that they are very, very, very good at. And we did uh, the dance warm-up that Neil and Connor were talking about was Prince's Musicology. And um, our choreographer choreographed it. It was incredibly well done. But by the end of the season, they were hooping and hollering. All They had vocals that went all the way through it. And <laughs> um, they were just, 
I mean, it, they were having so much fun, so much fun that um, our party after semifinals, we went back to school and um, we had a little dance going on. And eventually they put the dance warm up on and the entire band did the dance warm up for the dance that we had. <laughs> wow. Because they liked it so much. And yeah, and it wasn't anything that I would say we ever really super cleaned, but it was a really great way for them to get in the mood for performance get in the mood for practice, have a really good time doing something together, um, move around. And, you know, we have some kids that are kind of stiff and aren't quite comfortable. And you watch them as they evolved over the year because nobody was saying you have to do it like this, you have to do it like this. But they really wanted to be part of the group and they um, got a whole lot better to the point that by the end of the year, um, everybody felt looked like they felt very, very comfortable and were um, very into it. And because nobody was really telling them anything they were doing wrong. They just kept doing more and more and more and more. And uh, it was very respectable and very cool to watch. And we had just as much fun watching them as they had performing it. Well, and then we all got to feel that exact thing you're describing in your show. Like, so it's, it's mm -hmm. just all so smartly done because I, I, I go to work with bands where the kids are afraid to move. They might, they might do something out of line uh -huh. and, and then they never take ownership of the show and it just kills it. And so I love that you guys mm -hmm. have these processes in place to give the students this sense of um, security to try to perform. Right. I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you have Tim, but I'm going to just say it please facetiously, I guess. But like, if you ever watch the world-class color guards or the, well, the really good color guards before WGI when they do their warm-ups, they're just having a ball. They're doing across the floors and they're just having a great, great, great time. And um, I, I, I kind of got that that idea from them, and that's okay. Well, they're they're not getting uptight here. They're they're loosening up. They're getting ready to perform. They're relaxing. They're having a great time. They're dancing. They're moving across the floor. They're getting into the fact that everybody's getting into it and. Um, I thought that was a really neat takeaway when I when I watched that, and we tried to transpose that into what a band could do, and it worked really well. Oh, amazing. Okay, well, I'm so super impressed with what you guys accomplished. Um, it, I, I, I want to make sure that everybody realizes the, the hours of work and agonizing that you guys went through as you're making these decisions and putting this together, and that process I know was really hard, but the fact that you pulled this off and you, you know, like really, and then now everybody's talking about it. So it, it's just a yeah. huge accomplishment. Um, anything you guys want to say before we go? I guess I'll go around like, um, Connor, I'll start with you. Anything you want to say before we go about the season or how the show was put together that we, you want to mention? Um, you know, I, I think I speak for most of us. It was just a, it was a really great time. Um, you know, regardless of the, the competitive aspect of it, I, I think for the first time in a, in a long time, you know, I just had a lot of fun being there. Um, you know, there was never a day that was like, uh, gotta get up early for rehearsal. It was like, all right, it's time to go part. Um, and, and the kids certainly are the ones that, that cause that kind of culture to happen. So I think that, you know, moving forward is, you know, we're just going to keep trying to, to do what we're doing and, and see how else we can, um, help the, the kids create that culture for themselves and, and keep having a great time, um, you know, and, and still, giving them a great education at the same time, helping them learn how to play their horns better and move and those things, but all while having fun. So yeah. that was my biggest takeaway from this year is just um, how we were able to have a process that was not only effective and competitive, but, you know, we always had a great time at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I can't be the only one listening to you talk that wishes I was in this band. 
you know? <laughs> like, it just sounds like a great time. Um, Neil, final thoughts from you about all this you want to mention. Yeah, you know, we uh, we talked a lot about the kids, but, for, you know, for me, obviously the kids are, you know, the reason why we do this. But I, I know for me, uh, I get caught up a lot in kind of the monotony of the band director job. And for me, this show and working with three amazing directors that hear music completely different than I do, um, being able to um, analyze and change and work and mold, you know, kind of just got me back to like the reason why, like, why we kind of do this as mm. designers to just create something from scratch and you know, it's never going to be right the first time. And you start to kind of watch things snowball and everybody has, you know, their, their great ideas or they're not so great ideas that somebody that elaborates on to make great ideas. And I, and I think for me, just being able to work with, you know, three other fantastic designers, but even everybody on the design team to make, you know, something that's, you know, Connor said it, we said it all year, like, let's just go party. Let's go out there and let's party. And let's have fun and let's create something special and organic that's tailor-made for our kids, you know? I will selfishly say that, like, only our kids could pull this off. And they did it in the highest level possible. And for me, that, you know, no score, no trophy will ever be as rewarding as watching those kids party, <laughs> dance and party. It yeah. was... It was just, it was really organic and it never felt, even in the tough part of the seasons, you know, it never felt like a chore or like there was, there was, uh, something that couldn't be done. You know, if, if I was struggling or something, I could go to Matt, I could go to Connor, I could go to Emily and just ask for an ear or vice versa. You right. know, there's, there's, right. it's just very organic. And sometimes I, I feel like everybody has to stick to their role. And uh, I, I didn't get I didn't get that feeling this year, and it was really really a treat to work with everybody. Yeah, and I, I want to highlight again. You mentioned like your this was right for your kids, you know, and so not everybody listening has a band that could pull this off. But you need to figure out what. And I just want to highlight one of the themes of the conversation: like figure out what your what's right for your kids, what's their thing, what clicks with them. Like that's the trick. And you guys did such a great job with that. Matt, looks like you're going to get the final word. Anything you want to say about all this? I wanted to say exactly what you just said. Oh, man, you can say it again. Say it again. It's important. You can probably say well, it better yeah, than I did. I, don't underestimate your kids. They they know stuff. They know all sorts of things. They watch music videos. They listen to music. They are uh, they're not ignorant at all. They're, they're very aware. And finding their voice and finding what they're comfortable with can go a long way in creating something unique and special. Um, that both the students can enjoy performing and the audience can enjoy watching. And um, hopefully uh, the judges can enjoy putting numbers down for, and that's always the tricky part. But right. I, I think that the road we're on um, trying to find our kids' voice and finding out what we can do that's special is the road we're going to stay on for a while because we're really enjoying it. Well, it's, I'm glad to hear that. We're all excited to know that you're going to, you're going to keep working this. And, and, you know, I, I think that's why we're talking is like, I feel like you guys hit yeah. a home run as far as figuring all that out. What was right for your kids, putting it together in the right way. And then everybody totally dug it. 
You know, I mean, yeah. I remember sitting here the first time I heard you guys crank up the Fresh Prince and like, we're just howling, you know, like it was mm-hmm. just like, oh, I gotta can't believe it. So it's, it's a big home run. So thank you guys oh, so much you. for talking thank to me. Um, what a great conversation. And you guys are doing such great work. Thank you for what you're giving to those students. It's, it's really wonderful. Thank, thank you, you so much, Tim. We appreciate you. Thank you. Find more podcasts on Bands of America and show design topics and get access to every one of the over 750 podcasts we've released at the Marching Roundtable with the new Marching Roundtable membership. Support the podcast for as little as $2 per month to get access to every podcast and help us to continue to bring information and interviews of the highest caliber. Sign up at marchingroundtable.com. At any time, you can upgrade to the full membership at Marching Arts Education with complete access to all the live webinars, videos, podcast archives, and discounts on coursework. It's perfect, easy professional development for you and your staff. Trusted content in one location. Go to marchingartseducation.com and click on Membership to find out more and sign up. If you enjoy the podcast, consider giving us a good rating and writing a review on iTunes. Also, share the podcast with a friend or colleague who would enjoy it. You are the best way we have to let everyone know of this valuable resource. Follow the Marching Roundtable on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter to keep up with upcoming podcasts and guests and for constant coverage of all topics in the marching arts. This includes the new Marching Roundtable Facebook group, which we hope you'll join and join in the conversation. And subscribe to our newsletter at marchingroundtable.com so you'll know about all upcoming podcasts and live webinars. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, Blue House Mallets, found at malletbuilder.com. This is your host, Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts. I've been writing marching band arrangements and helping to create and design entertaining, educational, and competitively successful shows for over 25 years. See all the services I can offer to help you and your group and hear all of the shows available at timhinton.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.